Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Uh, let's do some affirmations. When I point to me, I say it. When I point to you, you say it. Which, by the way, let me, let me just say, this may be a complete fluke. I'm not taking credit for this. But when I came out here to set up, there were these kids in the pool, and they're just like screaming, which kids do when they're when they're playing in the pool. I can't tell kids on vacation not to scream in the pool. It's just that it was distracting. And uh, hey, went so uh, I just said, I said I really need those kids to go inside for a little bit. So help me. As soon as I said it, I heard this woman's voice come from out from downstairs and. You guys come inside right now. And they got up and ran in. I thought, okay, well, cool. Now they may be back in a minute and start screaming. I don't know, but um, the timing of that was uh, very funny. Hey, Ro, I hope you had a good birthday. Hey, Heather. Hey, Colonel Rogers. Uh, so, okay, affirmations. Um, I am blessed. I am a blessing. Hey, Jeffrey. I am. I am well. I am wellness. I am. I am healed. I am health. I am. Hey, Trey. I am whole. I am wholeness. I am. I am free. I am freedom. I am. Um, I am joyful. I am joy. I am. I am serene. I am serenity. I am. Highest affirmation is I am. We always want to ascend up to that. Hey, Freddie. Um, I am um, secure. I am security. I am. I am peaceful. Did I say that one already? I am peace. I am. Beautiful. Now let's add a little breath work to it. We're going to go in through the nose, hold it out through the mouth. Let's do it. In. Hold. Exhale. Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. Give me a couple more in, out, inhale. Exhale. Beautiful. All right. Um, we speak into this atmosphere and say, let there be light. And uh, I affirm that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to preach liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison of them that are bound, um, and etc., etc. Uh, hey, Melissa. That whole verse in Isaiah 61 is... Uh, 
the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. He has sent me to uh, bind up the brokenhearted, to preach liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Jesus, when he quoted it in Luke 4, changed the words a little bit, or at least whoever wrote that. Hey, Melissa. Um, but anyway, one way or the other, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to set you free. Uh, I was thinking this morning about what I wanted to talk about, and hey, Michael, and I've shared a lot of stuff this week on 11.11, and sometimes it's, it's kind of like I get into a lot of my deeper stuff at night. Some of you listen to them the following morning, and this morning I thought, man, I've, you know, I've said a lot of stuff. I mean, I don't know what else I can say this week. And then I was thinking about just the ocean, and I and then I thought, you know, I just need to let, I know that's the Gulf of Mexico, but it's still the ocean, part of the ocean. And um, I thought, I don't really have to say a lot this morning. The, you know, that will speak for me. That's why, I think that's one reason I enjoy the meditation weekends so much, especially the ones on the beach. Because if I can facilitate uh, a time for you to get out there and just just make a demand on you to get up and watch the sunrise and to come back and watch the sunset. Uh, I don't have to say a whole lot. Uh, that's why I don't teach on the meditation weekends. I let nature um, speak for me. And I was thinking about that this morning because I do believe as, as much as I'm a city boy and I love living in the city, will always live in the city, I'm happy in the city. I'm willing to put up with what some people see as a negative in the city. I, th those are things that don't bother me uh, because I l love it through and through. But that doesn't mean I don't love nature. I mean, I couldn't live where I live if I didn't have a huge window to be able to see outside and, and uh, you know, stay connected to green space and um, love going to the beach, love hiking through the mountains, especially, I mean, through the woods and the mountains, especially in the fall. Um, love visiting the country, love uh, taking my shoes off and grounding. There's really something to that about going barefoot on the earth. Uh, the earth itself draws toxi toxicity out of your body. And it's, you know, one of the most powerful things about the meditation weekends in the summer is that everybody goes barefoot. And, you know, you go um, for long periods of time without ever going barefoot outside. And it's important to keep that as a part of your experience. And as I've taught before, I believe when, uh, when Jesus said things like uh, in Matthew 6 where he says, uh, Consider the lilies of the field, how they do not toil or spin. And yet Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like them. I don't think he was being um, poetic there. I think he was literally saying, go sit down in a field and look at a flower, and that flower will tell you things. Or, or he also talks about sparrows in that passage. Those sparrows will show you things that a thousand sermons, a thousand Bibles, a thousand ministers speaking platitudes are never going to communicate to you. Um, nature is talking to us all the time. Even 
this week when we were here and um, uh, <laughs> okay girl enjoy um, even uh, when we got here earlier this week and you couldn't see anything it's um, because of the haze it's it's always a reminder that faith is the evidence of things not seen I know the that water is out there but I couldn't see it and um, so there's, you know, if you open up your senses, uh, nature will talk to you all the time. The wind speaks, the sunshine speaks. Um, you know, if I could work it into my schedule, or if I was in a place where I could do it every single day, I would, if not be sure, I, I love to watch the sunrise, but I would definitely watch a sunset every day. I, I think it's so, important and every one of them is magical i think if you get to the point that you can be blasé about a sunset it, your time may be up here uh everything ought to just um amaze you about nature even yesterday just i love walking on the beach and we took a long walk down to the pier and i even um videoed my feet walking down the beach because i, I felt like it had prophetic implication like you could see the you could see the reflection of the sun in the where the water was coming up and and it was like I'm following the sun <laughs> I started to post the Beatles lyrics um, uh, I'll follow the sun but then I read them and it, the, I'll follow the sun's very very much about I'm leaving here you're not going to see me anymore but I'm going to follow the sun and I thought uh, I thought um, yeah, I better not post that. People will think I think I'm about to check out of here. And I don't, I am meeting with a cardiologist tomorrow for him to explain the results of my echocardiogram. But I don't, I don't think I'm, I don't think my time is up here. I am planning on living uh, a good long time, healthy and in my right mind. Um, so, uh, I, you know, nature talks to us as it should. So that got me thinking this morning about um, there's a verse of scripture where it's First uh, Corinthians eleven fourteen, and it's where Paul says, "Does not even nature teach you?" And when you read the rest of the verse. He, he actually says, does not even nature teach you that men should have, uh, men should not have long hair? Which was always, this isn't such a big deal now, but back in the day, uh, in my generation, when guys started growing their ha hair out long, and preachers were just going nuts over it, and, and uh, uh, preaching against it, I heard this verse all the time, all the time. Even when I when I was in Bible college, you know, they that's one of the first things they told us is your hair cannot touch your collar because uh, this, the Bible says does not even nature teach you that a man should not have long hair. And I used to always think, no, that nature doesn't teach me that because a man can grow hair as long as a woman can. And um, so then that got me. I was reading the whole chapter. I don't know if y'all know this, but. Um, there are uh, 27 books in the New Testament. 
the majority of uh, the New Testament is made up of 13 epistles, which are books of the Bible attributed to Paul. So Paul wrote, um, you know, most of what we have in the New Testament is Paul's epistles bookended by the Gospels and Revelation. Uh, John wrote three epistles and Peter wrote two epistles. And then Acts is was originally part of Luke that was divided. But um, I don't know if you know this, but this is pretty universally believed by Bible scholars, conservative and liberal, is that Paul only wrote seven of those 13. Um, there's uh, seven of them that are that nearly every scholar, and even as far back as the Council of Nicaea, they they were in agreement that these are absolutely Pauline. It's uh, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, and a couple of more I can't remember right now. But anyway, then there's about three of them that were written by uh, like someone in his name, someone probably that worked for him like a secretary and sort of took some of maybe some of his thoughts and um, uh, communicated them in a in a uh, epistle in an epistle and then um, they, they, they they're if you go to wikipedia if you go to wikipedia and type in pauline epistles it explains it all there's seven that are absolutely pauline three that are something else, and three that are something else. And um, when you read 1 Corinthians 11, it's one of the most misogynistic passages that Paul ever wrote. Now, here's the thing about 1 and 2 Corinthians. I've said this a lot, but I think it's very important to always make this point. The reason there is a 2 Corinthians is because Paul was so heavy-handed in 1 Corinthians that a lot of 2 Corinthians was him kind of backpedaling a little bit. The fact that there is a 1 and 2 Corinthians is the clearest indication why you should never believe that the Bible is the definitive Word of God. The, the Bible writers didn't even believe that. The fact that bibliolatry has become such a thing now that people want to argue over the Bible being the Word of God can't even be uh, can't even be supported by the authors themselves, including Paul. The very fact that he says rightly divide the word means you don't just swallow all of it. You look at you look at it and divide the human from the divine. And um, I mean, you talk about putting women in their place when you read First Corinthians eleven. It's I, I mean, he says he didn't even talk about husbands and wives. He says the Christ is the head of the man and the man is the head of the woman. And the reason that men... Uh, it's the reason why we have this uh, tradition. I don't know that people observe it that much now. But the reason men don't t traditionally don't cover their head indoors and is because Paul said a man should not pray or prophesy with his head covered because uh, it... The fact that he keeps his head uncovered means he has a direct link to God. Christ is the head of the man. 
The reason the woman keeps her head covered is because it's symbolic how she's submissive to the man. It has nothing to do with God. It has to do with women obeying men. And as I always uh, exhort you, if you're going to read Paul's epistles, they're, they're not in the New Testament in chronological order. But if you, if you find out, uh, yeah, Paul was, he definitely, Paul and Jesus had two complete different relationships with women. Uh, Jesus was a feminist, uh, was constantly breaking the rules with uh, women's traditional roles. Paul just reinforced them. However, if you read Paul's epistles in chronological order, you'll see that Galatians came after 1 Corinthians. And in Galatians, he says, well, in Christ there's neither male nor female, which is completely the opposite of 1 Corinthians. Uh, anybody who says the Bible is not full of contradictions clearly has never read it, or they're reading, they're reading it with um, a, a bias. Um, I don't even, I've said for years that it's full of contradictions, but now I don't even know that it's contradictions. It's just a collection of books by different people who had different ideas, which brings me really to my main point. Um, yes, I'm making a point about Paul's evolution, which I think is important. The Bible is not static. It's not monolithic. It's not a book. One of the worst, most blasphemous, most antichrist, most perverted things you could ever say is that the Bible is a book. Because if you imply that it's a book, then it becomes this idea that it's a, this a, all official, all sufficient rule for uh, behavior. And it's not meant to be that. It's a collection of ideas uh, by different men, because the you know women were illiterate at this time. The men, the Bible is written by men to men, and um, which is why their ideas of God were ascribed to uh, male energy, and that's why we got a patriarchy. Uh, Abraham comes and reinforces that because he says the only way to the covenant is to have a penis, you know, because he he says the the way to the covenant is through circumcision. So the women aren't even. Women aren't even on the radar screen for the covenant with God. Women have to marry into the covenant. Uh, the Abrahamic religions are just a boys club. And um, that doesn't mean you throw them away. It means you go back and read what Jesus said. And Jesus, and every time he interact, interacted with a woman, he completely flew in the face of Levitical law, of uh, traditional mores, everything from talking to a woman at the well or healing a woman with an issue of blood, or uh, saying that um, Mary had chosen the good part because she was out with the men. I referred to this the other night, and I'm, I'm not, I think Doug Wentz knew what I was referring to. I, I said she was like Yentl. If you don't know what Yentl is, it was a book written by a man named uh, Singer, but it was made into a movie back in the early 90s by Barbara Streisand, and it's about it's called Yentl, it's from a novel called Yentl the Yeshiva Boy. And it's about a, a little girl named Yentl who wanted to study the Talmud, but wasn't allowed because of Jewish law. And so she 
um, cuts her hair and poses as a boy so that she could learn. She changes her name to Anshul. So when I said Mar Mary chose the good part, Mary was out there with the men listening to Jesus directly while Martha was in the kitchen cooking and doing the traditional roles. So Jesus came, you know, Jesus just inverted all of that, all of the stuff that Paul talked about. Because, um, you know, Paul had some issue with same-sex relationships. Jesus didn't. Jesus never mentioned it. And, um, you know, Jesus speaks to the centurion who says, pray for my pais, which means pray for my young lover. And Jesus said, yeah, I'll come and heal him, and, and never even acknowledged uh that anything was unusual about their relationship. So, um, but my main point um, uh, is that um, everything in our life, everything that we experience is pretty much facilitated by previous ideas. Like, um, Ken and I drove down to Panama City Beach because somebody sometime in history had an idea to make a horseless carriage that we now call the automobile. But even before that, in antiquity, somebody came up with the idea that a horse could pull a carriage. And that's why even now, um, You'll, they, they even now refer to uh, a car having a certain amount of horsepower. So even now, the, the cars are, uh, automobiles are so evolved, they're still referred to as having a certain number. This, this car has the power of X amount of horses. So somebody had that idea. We could put gas in the tank on the way down because somebody had an idea to put a gas station beside the road. But before that, somebody had an idea to build a road, and somebody had an idea to build an interstate. So every, just the, something as simple as us driving out of state to uh, you know a couple of days of vacation, it, our idea to go out of town was within the realm of other people's ideas who have previously lived. The reason I'm standing here right now is somebody had an idea to build this hotel on this part of the beach. And somebody had an idea that it should have uh, a deck or you could overlook so you could see the scenery. And that idea was probably taken from other ideas when they saw other hotels that were already up and down the beach. Somebody had an idea that uh, you should even put hotels on the beach. Uh, so. You know, sometimes when, when I read about some, um, uh, some field of study, especially one that I'm not that familiar with, I'm always amazed at how somebody can know so much about so many things that was, uh, you know, it was generation after generation after generation of ideas being um, built upon and improved upon and sometimes an idea that somebody had previously becomes passe and everybody moves on from that idea. But I also want to say that the Bible is a collection of ideas. It's different ideas 
that different people had at different times when they were trying to explain the divine or the mystical or they were trying to understand transcendent transcendence so within even within your ability to come up with your own path it's still within the framework of other people's ideas like next sunday we'll go to the theater because i had an idea that i liked landmark midtown art cinema so when you come next sunday you'll be um you'll be within the framework of an idea that i had nine years ago but prior to that i had an idea that i was called to the ministry so everything and i'm not saying it's a bad thing i'm saying um like I, I put together a, um, uh, you know, how your, your screensaver uh, on my on your Mac on my Mac I can do. Um, I was putting together a screensaver with a, a slideshow on it, and I I just went through and I picked out different beautiful pictures from our um, uh, meditation weekends. Most of them are taken by BJ. Some of them are taken by Ken, and um, they're just spectacular beautiful sunrise pictures and sunset pictures and different pictures of us on the beach with our hands up and it's just it, it raises my vibration to see there's something about a slideshow just picture 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 it really elevates my vibration my frequency but I was looking at that and I thought you know it's such a blessing to have people in your life who respect your ideas <laughs> Because, you know, um, gosh, it's been, what, four years ago now that I started teaching on meditation. And um, the people at Metron, you know, they're, they're uh, post, they're not against church, but they're, they're just in a different place. So I don't have anybody at Metron that I would have to convince of something. You know what I mean? Those of you that have stayed with me, this long in my journey, you know, if I bring up some new thought or new idea, you know, for the most part, you you hear my voice and you're good with it. So I, I never had to over-explain meditation. I just said, this is what we're going to do. I'm not trying to turn you all into Buddhists. I just think there's something to this, and I just want to do it. And everybody, like, they were on board. They got it. I, I just love being with evolved, liberated people. Because people who are still in a previous mindset, I find exhausting. When Jesus said, uh, um, when he talked about the, the end of something, he never talked about the end of the world. He talked about the end of an age. And there's so many people that are still living in, uh, you know, they're still living in the Old Testament age. They're still living in, you know, that um, even... There's such a correlation between the astrological ages, like the bulk of the Old Testament um, years was uh, the age of Taurus, which is very much about animal sacrifice. Then the, the years uh, of Christianity was the age of Pisces, and the fish is so much a, uh, uh, symbolic of Jesus, and of, especially of early Christianity. And then... Um, you know, since 2012, we've been in the age of Aquarius, which is the, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on all humanity. And that's why we have inclusion. And, uh, you know, that's why 
our, our concept of us and them has evolved. But you still find people that don't know it's a new day. They're still living, they're still living in a previous mindset. They don't know how to evolve. Uh, they don't know how to read the scriptures. They get locked in. It's like arrested development. It's like meeting somebody who you can tell they stopped maturing at a certain age. Uh, like if you if you marry somebody that is still emotionally 16, 17 years old, you're going to have a bad marriage because that person, you married a boy or a girl, you, they haven't learned how to evolve into being a man or a woman yet. I'm not saying they can't, but, but typically you'll meet somebody who you can tell they locked in at a certain emotional age and they're still there. Being childlike is very powerful. Being childish is very limiting. So, um, like, I have to learn new ways to think about who I am at this age. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm submitting to, you know, traditional ideas of aging, but I also can't deny that I've had X amount of uh, revolutions around the sun, and I have to, within certain ideas of previous generations, I've got to find my own path. So, um, um, this, is, this is what I want to leave you with. Explain to you where I'm going with this. Um, you have to find your idea for your life. You have to find your rhema word. You can't, um, you can't grandfather it in. You have to find something that is first generation, that is authentic, that is original to you. You're never going to be able to be completely original because you're standing on the shoulders of, you know, people who have come and gone for, you know, for millennia. Um, and I've I use this analogy a lot, but it's, it seems like I've, I've used it a couple times in personal uh, conversations with people to sort of explain how spiritual evolution works. It's very much like um, cleaning out your closet, okay? Um, when you clean out your closet, uh, you look at some things and you think, Oh, I'm keeping this. I'm, I'm keeping this. I'm keeping this. I'm keeping this. This is non-negotiable. There's other things you look at and you say, I either can't fit into this anymore or it looks too juvenile for me or let's face it, I'm never going to wear this. You know, if you, if you buy something and you never wear it, you probably never are going to wear it. You, you probably convinced yourself in some store or some salesperson convinced you to buy it. But if it's, if it's something that you don't feel good in, that you don't feel like yourself in, you're not gonna wear it. You might as well give it to somebody else, send it to Goodwill, let it move on. So when you clean out your closet, there's things you get rid of that you realize this is never, this is never gonna serve me anymore. Um, and then there's other things that you're like, no, this, I'm keeping this, I know I will wear this. I mean, it's summertime, I may not wear that sweater right now, but winter's coming and I, I, I'm sure I will wear that. And there's other things that are kind of like gray area. You're like, nah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm 
ever going to wear that, but I'm not ready. I paid too much for it. I'm not ready to get rid of it. Or maybe it has sentimental value or something. And that's kind of the way I feel it is uh, with your spiritual progression. You look at some things and you're like, I don't even believe that anymore. And there's no point in even pretending that I do. I don't believe it. And you have to just get rid of that. Um, put away childish things. There's other things that you think, well, that's kind of, that's, that's pretty good. I'm going to keep that. And there's other things you, you're sort of um, neutral about. Like, I don't know that I believe it or don't believe it, but I don't know. I'm, gonna, I'm sort of going to keep that. And then there's a whole other level, like this, uh, what is her name, Marie Kondo, the woman that, that um, mentors people about cleaning out their house. And uh, as I understand it, she says, go through everything in your house and hold it to yourself. And if it doesn't give you joy, get rid of it so that your house is filled with only things that give you joy. And I think there's something to that. As I also always say when I use this metaphor, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a man who brings treasure out of his house, both old things and new. So when you read the Bible, read it through those eyes. Like there's a lot of things in 1 Corinthians that Paul wrote that are just amazing the love chapter you know though i speak with the tongues of men and of angels there, i mean there's no doubt they're just inspired then you go back and read chapter 11 where he's just putting the kibosh on women and you think no i that's that's paul that's gamaliel no that's moses speaking through gamaliel to um paul and paul hadn't gotten rid of that yet at that point on his journey. But by Galatians, he had. When he, in Galatians, when he says in Christ there's neither male nor female, it's like taking 1 Corinthians 11 and just ripping it out of the Bible. Like this is not applicable anymore. Even the fact that he says, back to my original point, that he says, does not even nature teach you that it's, that it's wrong for a man to have long hair? Like, why would he even say that? It shows you that he's seeing, he's even seeing nature through a particular lens. Like, um, uh, I don't hear from him now, but back in the, you know, back in the day, 13 years ago when I came out, uh, I would get a lot of hate mail from Christians who would say, it's just not natural. It's just what you've done is just not natural. And I would think, well, first of all, there's over 1,500 species 1,500 species of animals that have same-sex pairing. So it is in nature. Um, but natural to me is what feels natural to me. It's, with, it's natural with me. And so as you get older, you learn how to embrace what is natural to you, what is organic to you, what feels right to you, not what you heard brother so-and-so say from a pulpit somewhere because he was just expressing his ideas that were based on somebody else's ideas. They're not even from the Bible, they're from his interpretation of the Bible. The same way that Anias Nin said, we don't see the world as it is, we see it as we are. Same thing is true for uh, the Bible. We don't read the Bible as it is, we read it as we are. That's why it's pointless to argue about it because whatever 
you believe there's somebody on the other spectrum of what you believe that can come up with the X amount of verses to support their uh, position. And basically, you're just deciding who's, which group of ideas you're going to go with. Like, um, sometimes I think, and I've also shared this before, but I think about the classic hymn, um, Amazing Grace. Beautiful hymn. Probably, if you uh, polled most people from church world and asked, what's your favorite hymn? Amazing Grace kind of comes up as usually in the top two or three that anybody ever mentions. And there's a lot of energy with Amazing Grace. I love to hear it played on bagpipes. And uh, it's a beautiful song. But when John Newton wrote it, he was writing it as a mea culpa about repenting for being involved in the slave trade. He was an active uh, slave, tra I mean, he bought and sold people from Africa. And when he w had an epiphany of how horrible that was, he called it amazing grace. He said, "Who? Uh, it's how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What he did was wretched. And, and I look at it now and I think, damn straight. Yeah, you were wretched. But that's not meant to be a universal um, idea for everybody. Not everybody is wretched. You could say, well, all is sin and come short of the glory of God. Okay, fine. I'm just saying, the song Amazing Grace is really about that one man's idea of how wrong he was to that he had the grace to change his mind. So that if you're going to sing Amazing Grace, remember that. It doesn't mean, like I never say the word save a wretch like me because I don't identify with it. I don't feel wretched. Um, I'm very in touch with my own humanity and willing to acknowledge my own mistakes, but I'm not wretched. I'm not. And uh, so that's, that's on Mr. Newton. He can sing that. I'll sing it, but I will not embrace his idea, okay? And the Bible's the same way. You can't be afraid to look at it that way. It's not this holy thing that you know, nobody's allowed to touch. If you, the, look, the more you understand how it was put together and why it was put together and who Constantine was and what the Council of Nicaea was and the things that those, those uh, founding fathers of, of Christianity thought, you, it'll give you a cl much clearer view of the scriptures, not to disbelieve them, but to re read them with clarity, re to re realize that, you know, when, when Moses appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, he wasn't holding the Ten Commandments. He had moved on from there. Moses, if Moses could stand here with me now, he would tell you, you know, all, the, all those 600 and something things I said were abominations. Well, I think that was just my personal feeling about it. Or when Paul said, all women are subjected to all men, I think now he would say, nah, go more with the, in Christ there's neither male nor female thing. So you have to understand that people who aren't used to new ideas uh, are always afraid of people who are very comfortable with new ideas. Um, which is quite frankly, the whole purpose of God being seen as the Holy Spirit. Because everything about the Holy Spirit is 
about newness and about nowness. Even the incarnation of Jesus, even as God as Jesus for 33 years, even Jesus said, it's necessary that I go away. This is going to become an antiquated idea. So we have moved from the, the limitations of Jesus the man into the fullness of the universal Holy Spirit. May the force be with you. And so I'm saying all of that to say, trust your instincts. Trust your inner Holy Spirit. Trust your ability to write your gospel and to have your, your own book of Revelation and your own epistles and your own uh, stories of miracles. The same way that the gospels recorded the miracles of Jesus, you should be documenting the miracles that happen in your life all the time. And don't be afraid to think a new way. And don't be, a th don't be afraid to... Uh, rethink an idea that is no longer serving you. If something is passe, if, if something is antiquated, you know, like I remember um, back in the day when VCRs first came out, that was the greatest thing in the world. Oh, VC oh, and Blockbuster Video, oh my God, how awesome. Now, can you imagine if somebody said to you, hey, I'm going to go down to Blockbuster and... Uh, uh, rent us a video tonight to watch on the VCR. That wasn't that long ago that people said that. Now you would look at a person who says that and says, uh, do you, are you smelling burnt toast? Because I think something, I think maybe you just had a, maybe you just had a stroke. <laughs> or what generation are you living in? And um, even, you know, when CDs first came out and you could listen to, uh, you know, CDs in your car, and it was so cool. Now, you know, you can hardly find them. Now everybody just, all your music is digital. And that wasn't that long ago. Well, I, you know, I remember, I, I remember uh, having a car that came, I had a car that had an eight track player in it and a car that had a cassette player in it. So there's constantly ideas that were great at the time and they served humanity at that time but somebody came up with better ideas so if you don't use the bible you know for as a medical journal or as a scientific book why would you use it for a theological book it's it, you you look at those things that those men of old said and sometimes they definitely tapped into something that was you know universally true and ageless and timeless and um, that's why I will always, I will always refer to the Bible because I respect those previous ideas. I don't hate the Bible. I don't hate Christianity. I don't hate. I, I honor my tradition. I honor my journey. I honor my path. I'm glad for everywhere that I was uh, in, in my spiritual evolution. I also am not limited to it. Um, it was necessary that those things went away so that I could discover who I am. We're always moving up to the I am. And you also have to be very sensitive to people in your life who have not evolved. And you have to say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And don't take it personally when they're seeing you from through the paradigm of old ideas. I want to encourage you to be free to write your own book to come up with your own story. Uh, 
It's the whole point of Paul saying we are living epistles, the epistles written in the hearts of men. Dare I say that a living epistle is superior to a, um, a written epistle any day of the week? Because what, you know, I say it all the time, but in the King James where he says the, the letter kills but the Spirit gives life, in the International Standard Version it says the written text kills. So as soon as you write it, you lock it in. I'm not saying things shouldn't be written down, but you have to read them with a certain paradigm to know this is how this person in this generation thought. Uh, but now to put, to make women second-class citizens because of some man centuries ago who had no concept of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, who had no idea that your sons and your daughters will prophesy, uh, that... Um, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and God's, God's not requiring you to do that. God is in the now. God is the I am. And the more you discover the I am, you will discover who you are. All right? That's what I want to share with you. I'll go back and read your comments. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for watching today. And... Um, if you want to give to the ministry, we would appreciate it, and it would be timely. It'll help me uh, pay for everything next Sunday, so please go to bishinthenow.com, like short for bishop. It couldn't be easier. Uh, if you, Those of you that do support the ministry, if you need your records for paying your taxes, since this is tax season, you can get that all there. It's all documented there uh, on Simple Give. It, it couldn't be any easier. If you want to give to me directly, I always welcome that. I have all the cash apps. So whatever feels right to you, you do that. Uh, I, one is just as appreciated as the other. The only difference is when you send to me directly, I see it immediately and I can thank you. When it goes to the ministry, I don't necessarily see that, but I definitely appreciate it. So um, uh, I'm going to go read your stuff. I got mad love for you. Um, I'll let you know whatever I'm, I'm not even thinking about tomorrow morning yet I'll, I'll deal with it when I go meet him and um, I take no thought for tomorrow oh, thank you Heather I appreciate it I just saw your gift come in um, so I take no thought for tomorrow tomorrow will take care of itself Matthew 6.33 that was a good idea Matthew 6.33 so we're going to have a beautiful uh, trip back today we're going to enjoy the sunshine. I want you to enjoy wherever you are, and um, I will um, possibly be on tomorrow night at 11:11 for those of you who stay up that late. All right, peace. <laughs>